Holy Spirit download this morning. Yesterday I got to go be a part of a um, training for Freedom Prayer, you know, a one-day thing in um, Kentucky. And um, just a group of people that knew a little bit about Freedom Prayer, maybe were doing other inner healing kinds of prayer, and uh, wanted to learn more. And so Jen Barnett, co-author of the book, had a few of us come up and with her and, and teach different parts of Freedom Prayer. They're just a neat group of people that that want to know more about it. Um, and just the way that, that God is moving in that ministry. And Andy can tell you a lot better than I could, but there's a region of Kentucky and several parts of Kentucky where where freedom prayer is growing. And, and Texas already has a strong contention. Nashville's got two or three. It's going to add two or three more churches that are adding this ministry. It's not that this ministry is is what's spreading, but, the, but people's connection and openness to the Holy Spirit um, I know of a conservative, I would say a really conservative church here in Nashville that's open to this and wanting to bring this into their church. It's just neat how God's just tearing down barriers and walls, and it's not a Church of Christ thing, it's not a Presbyterian thing, it's not a Church of God thing, it's, it's just Holy Spirit bringing people together. It was a total, almost weird mix of people yesterday. Um, but there was a, a group of African-American ladies who were very vocal and encouraging during, during, my, during the speeches, so... I get some of that from you all today about me. That helps out a lot. And then, in thinking about that, um, Andy and Jen have been great to me about just discipling me into a role to be able to do that and to be able to do this. And Josh's sermon today, I'm going to tie points of today and try to bring them in. I thought it was just perfect today and last week of how Andy and Jen know my worst, my worst stuff. Um, I shared I shared with them my worst stuff in a session, and my wife had a prayer session with Jen, so she really knows my worst stuff. Um, <laughs> but they they don't see me like that. They don't see me as my worst stuff. Jen had a great slide yesterday about how I, I truly believe she sees people, how I want to see people, and and praying God help me in that first ten seconds of meeting someone to see them how you see them. I think I've spent my whole life thinking, oh, that person's that. Oh, they do that. Oh, I can't be near, I don't want to be near them. Oh, that, that's that kind of person. No, no, no. And having my clique of people that are like me. Um, so Josh's sermon was great today about how Jesus just fully restored Peter. Um, gave him a place right back in the inner circle. That's how it is with us and God. And I just appreciate their their discipleship and guidance of, of me in that. Did you turn on the recorder? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so, a couple weeks ago, uh, I believe Jeannie talked about wounding and forgiveness. And we've been talking about kind of the four, the four parts of, that, of the parables. The lost coin, lost sheep, older brother, and the prodigal son. And how those tie to different aspects of, of freedom prayer as well. Um, so, just kind of review the lost coin, uh, which represents in the freedom prayer a wounding, which was lost through no fault of its own. Um, Maybe something traumatic happened to it. But God, as a woman, kind of we think of the gently nurturing Holy Spirit, uh, lights a lamp, which represents kind of bringing truth, sweeps the house clean, just kind of like removing filth and pain, finds the coin, shows it's worth the effort, and rejoices with friends and neighbors, gives affirmation and a restoration. And Scott did um, a great job about talking about 
the prodigal son last week and how that's kind of tied to sin, these conditions we find ourselves in, a wounding or sin. Uh, we're going to get to the lost sheep today, um, which is kind of tied to uh, entanglement. We'll talk more about that later today. Um, and then ungodly beliefs, the older brother kind of represents ungodly beliefs. So these parts of this parable kind of line up with what we kind of look for and listen for in a freedom prayer session. Um, Scott made the distinction of sin being knowing disobedience and entanglement being stupid and naive carelessness. And so we're going to get to more of that kind of distinction today. As Christians, talking again about review, we are justified, we're being sanctified, um, and we will be glorified. And again, we may have felt that our sin defines us, that's who we really are, that it makes us unworthy or dirty. But Jesus took care of the sin on the cross and removed the guilt and shame. Um, and so we're in the process of that. We've been justified. We're going to be glorified, but we're in the process of that sanctification. Um, and then we did uh, a little activity after Scott talked about kind of a new cycle of, of what repentance is. You know, we confess our sin. Um, we're able to resist, repent, and stand firm. And in a freedom prayer session, we kind of did a little uh, freedom prayer mini session at the end of class last time where we asked Jesus to bring any unconfessed sin to, our, to, to light in our minds. Um, we confessed it as sin if He brought that to us. We asked Him to apply the blood of Jesus to that sin. That's the only thing that's going to take care of it. And then we asked Him what He wanted to give, to give us in place of that sin. And um, we didn't really have time to debrief that much, but did anybody have any thoughts about that or, or that activity or anything? I don't want you to have to share what, what came to mind, but could you see yourself maybe through the week? Did that kind of process help any more throughout the week? I just want to say one thing yeah, go ahead. that you said last week that <clears throat> we always think of repentance as I'm a jerk and you know, just kind of owning up to it. You know, that's just how we've all been raised. But in these four parables, Jesus defines repentance as being willing to be found by God and being willing to let Him carry your sin, carry your pain, carry your lostness, and to give you what you really need to heal that. And you just go, that is such a different view of repentance and of God that makes you not want to hide your sin because it it just festers. But to open it up, and if we can learn to help each other do that, to be welcoming, then that verse that says, confess your sins one to another, doesn't seem so scary. It seems really welcoming. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, my wife and I walk that way where if you mess up or something, you just share it, and there's this amazing welcoming hugs, Let's celebrate with dinner. You know, it's like, I should sin more because this is so good, you know, but, but anyway. And so just, just giving that. And I was just going to say, for those of us who saw, you know, we're upstairs already today. I think that illustration is played out really well in Peter's response as opposed to Judas's response. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I've got that's what I'm looking to next, but I appreciate you reminding me of that. Um, so with the, I'm going to tie Josh's in here just a minute. So, with the prodigal son um, story from Scott last week, the son repented, took steps toward home. And so when we feel unconfessed sin kind of bubble up in us, that we need to confess, you know, God, this was, this was sin. I sinned against you. I need forgiveness. We ask God to apply the blood of Jesus to it. And then we ask Him what He wants to give us in return. 
the thing about the prodigal son story, the father ran to him, kissed him, covered him. The covering's kind of the taking away of the shame. Gave him a ring, so restored his position immediately. The son said, you know, I want to be, I want to be your servant. God said, no, you're, you're my son. Put the ring back on. Gave him sandals. Um, I've learned this. Servants wore shoes. I mean, servants went barefoot, but sons wore sandals. Put the sandals back on his feet and rejoiced over him. Had the party of affirmation and restoration. And that's what God wants to do with us, as Josh kind of said this morning. Um, and when God restores us, we are restored. And when Satan comes back and tries to tempt you in that area, we can just say, no, you don't actually have power over me in that area. I confessed it. I applied the blood of Jesus to it. God's given me something else in return. So you have, you have no ground here. You have no say here. You can take that to the feet of Jesus. It's been washed by the blood of Jesus. Um, and then one last thing by way of review. I think Josh... I kind of had in my notes to share, but I think Josh, his illustration today, if you haven't been in church this morning, it's wonderful, uh, of Jesus restoring Peter. But I want to make sure that we got um, a couple more things out of that parable as well. Um, so if, if sin is the issue in a freedom prayer session, after we walk the person through confession and applying the blood of Jesus, receiving from Jesus what he wants to fill up in the place that sin occupied, um, we also want to let the person know, make sure they know that they're restored fully, that there's restoration, you know, that you're not on the B team now. Um, because a lot of times when sin is the issue, the person can't even think about coming into a freedom prayer session because the, the thought is, if, if, I, if I get this out, if I share this, you know, there's repercussions. I can't be a part of this ministry anymore. I can't do what I'm doing in the church anymore. Um, and that's not like Jesus did with Peter. It's not the way it is. Um, so it's important to let them know that, no, God says you're all the way back in. Jesus took care of your thing just like he took care of everyone else's thing and you are fully back in. And just like he did with Peter, you know, have fixing that breakfast lunch. I was thinking in church, you know, how how might Peter have been reacting when he saw that Jesus there cooking that breakfast? I just imagine him sitting down beside him and maybe maybe even sobbing like, I felt so far from you, but you want to have breakfast with me. And just that almost unimaginable. Like Peter thought, I ruined it. I blew it. I was with him all this time. I should have known better. And when the, when the trial came, I failed. I blew it. And Jesus restores him fully. You know, you're mine, Peter. Like Josh said, I, the powers of darkness crucified me. I rose. The powers of darkness pulled you away. You're back in. So that was a wonderful uh, example. Do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I just was. I was just thinking as you know, as you look at that, he's inviting him into a reconciliation relationship. Not are you just I'm, I'm forgiven, but I am reconciled and you have given me a destiny to live into and he's calling you to that and that's so different than feeling feeling like Franklin just said like I'm on the B team mm -hmm. it is like okay like we've overcome both of us right and now here we are and this is where we're headed and, and don't forget you're the rock um, and and now live into that role mm -hmm. that's good and the verse that came to me was, there's, you know, there's more celebrating heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to repent. Um, that can be foreign to someone who's felt the weight and guilt of their sin. There's actually be celebration and, and joy once, this, once you've made that exchange, that heart exchange. I've given you the sin. I've exchanged that. And the angel's celebrating in heaven. He got that off of them. This is awesome. This is great. Okay. So kind of moving into today's information. That was a long review. And, <laughs> but Josh's sermon was so good. So we've been justified. Sorry. Just yeah. this off of there, I think. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> There's too no. many of those. Here, I'll just get it. Okay. So we've been justified. Uh, we're being sanctified. 
So Satan just gives up, right? You know, it's kind of, we've arrived, we're there. Um, and unfortunately, we know that no, Satan still prowls around like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. Um, so we have steps for when past sin comes up. Um, but God wants us to also win the moment-by-moment -moment encounters with Satan and his forces. He wants us to use the power he has provided for us to combat the devil when the devil comes at us with his schemes. So Andy has a great talk called uh, Winning the Daily Battle I mentioned last week. Does anybody have a chance to listen to that? <coughs> Mike's listened to a few of us in the Freedom Prayer probably listened to it. The Freedom Prayer team maybe has. Um, but it's just a great insights, um, and if y'all want to chime in as we go through this, to I know what to do kind of when I did that in the past and this thing came, came up. We walked through how to confess that, apply the blood of Jesus to it, but what about you know, the moment-by-moment -moment Satan attacks? He's coming back. He's not giving up. And so how do I win those moment-by-moment -moment battles uh, with him? So that talk is great. We're going to hit some highlights of that today. Uh, it's linked at the end of this uh, presentation uh, to the actual kind of hour-long Andy's talk. But it's really worth, worth your while to listen to. I would encourage you to do that. So winning the daily battle is the battle uh, of the mind. Um, it's, it's you and God dealing with the evil one in your life. Not in your spouse's life or your kid's life or your boss's life, but in you and God winning the battle in your life. 2 Corinthians 11.13, Paul says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And Satan has two tools uh, that he uses against us, two kind of main tools, accusation and deception. He deceives us into stepping across the line, and then he accuses us of stepping across the line. And so we feel guilty. And so, with, like with Eve, he would try to build a, build a false reality in her mind of what, what, what it was really like. Did God really say that? Surely you won't die. And Eve kind of took hold of that thought, ran with that thought, yeah, you know, I'm not sure he said, I'm not going to die if I eat this. Um, and just like he did to Eve, he wants to, do a false, he wants to set up a false reality in our minds as well. Uh, to deceive us about our spouse, our parents, you know. Does she really love you? That kind of thing. Um, you know, why did your mom say that again? I'm so sick of her. Um, building these false realities that aren't, aren't, aren't real in our minds. So he's after our hearts, ultimately. But the mind is, our, is the doorway to the heart. So it goes, starts with our mind first. Oh, my little uh, icon there. So there's this uh, saying, and Satan wants to plant a seed in your head. So if you sow a thought... You'll reap an act. If you sow an act, you'll reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you, you'll reap a lifestyle. And if you sow a lifestyle, you'll reap a destiny. And we probably all had maybe something that went through our heads as we read that quote. I know I, when I heard that, I did. Of a thought that I let fester too long, uh, and it became an act, or became a habit. And that's just what Satan wants. He wants us to listen to that thought, to act on lustful, angry, discouraging, anxious thoughts until they sow a lifestyle is what he wants. Um, and he doesn't attack us in the third person. If you've been around the Freedom Prayer Ministry, you've probably heard Andy talk about this, how Satan doesn't come to you and say, okay, Franklin, you have to lie. This is Satan. You have to lie about that situation. You can't get out of this unless you lie. Uh, this, that's my advice. This is Satan's. That's my advice. No. He uses the first person and just the thought comes... I've got to lie. I can't. That's the only way out. I've got to lie about this. You know, it's my thought. It's I've got to do that. I've, I've got to um, do whatever Satan wants you to do. It's an attack on you, and it's not random. So, 
You think about the devil's schemes. In Ephesians 6 11, say, Take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's got specific schemes and plans for each one of us. And it's different for me, it's different for Andy, it's different for Scott. He's going after the thing that God put inside of us. The peace of God, the Metron, Andy has said, the peace of God inside of you is what Satan wants to go after. And it's not just a random, you know, I'll try this, I'll try this. It's, I say, seize what God, the thumbprint of God on me. And he wants to go after that. And so specific attacks for me might be totally different from Scott. Specific attacks for you. Um, but we are not unaware of his scheme, 2 Corinthians. But the Spirit says expressly that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And that phrase, doctrines of demons, I mean a whole doctrine set up by demons made to pull people away from the faith. Um, just the intricacy of you know, we talk a lot of times in prayer and prayer how Satan's you know, kind of uh, not dumb, but maybe simple and using the same thing over and over again. But a doctrine of demons that's pretty involved and intricate. And this whole belief system that he wants you to believe that's not God's belief system. Maybe it's slightly off or slightly to the left that he'd like for you to believe. Let's see. Um, but just as Satan has plans and, and schemes for us. We know, of course, that God also has plans and schemes, or plans and strategies for us to resist those attacks. So 2 Corinthians 10.36 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive one out of 1,000 thoughts to make it obedient to Christ. Is that what he says? No. So, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God has that power for every thought to be made captive for Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. In um, reading that and thinking about that, think about every thought. You know, as a man, I remember growing up and hearing from men, men in the church, that men can't help but think about sex. That, that studies show every six seconds men think about sex. And so I believe that. You know, I believed I was taught, you know, you struggle or you struggle against it, you resist it, but God made you that way. It's who you are, so it's really not what's the point. I mean you can't you can't you can't stop that. So that was a lie that Satan fed to me, that festered me, made me believe that false reality that I, I didn't have power over this. But that's not what God says. God says, I'll give you the power. He's not gonna tell me to take every thought captive without giving me the power to take every thought captive. Um, so relying on that power in the battle of the mind. And so when a thought comes in, kind of the test is grabbing that thought with a jugular and saying, does this line up with God? If not, no, out. You know, send it away. And so how we do that? Go say that, yeah. I was just going to remind you, of, you know, we talked last week about Peter um, and his walking on the water. And I, I see in that, in that and, and what we're just talking about, whatever it is for you, whether it is... Uh, you know, the impure sexual thought or whether it is gossip or whether it is um, you know, craving things that you know aren't good for you. Um, is your faith more in our, our, our fallen nature or in the God who promises us that you can take every thought captive or that, that he, for every temptation a way of escape has been made? That's First Corinthians 10.13. And so, you know, 
instead of, and, and sometimes you feel like that sin's just too big for me to grab around the jugular, mm-hmm. right? It's got me. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the, the line is playing with me. Um, he has me, and, and I am helpless. Our faith is in the one who not only tames the giants, but created everything, right? And he can be there in that moment, and he can not just take, take that. Like, it just is, it's bigger than us, right? On both sides, it feels like. But our faith is in the one who can, uh, who has promised and who has proven his truthfulness. That's good. That's really good. And I'm going to give Andy a second at the end of this too, hitting the highlights of his, of his talk. I know he's sitting here probably holding himself back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking mental notes, bro. Frank, yeah, go ahead. Let me share one other thing too. Uh, I think a, a lot of us read scripture and we see that what we read in scripture we don't personally experience and we wonder where what's you know why aren't we experiencing what they write about in scripture and i think it comes back to this second corinthians passage when um when you have something in your life satan doesn't you know if you shoot an arrow you don't have to change your direction very much to miss the target that's all he wants to do and so if you're not experiencing the bullseye of God, then you have a belief that's causing you to miss the target. And that's, uh, that's where the psalmist says, Search my heart, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. Uh, show me where I am not you know, following in that direction yeah. so that I may know and so that I may experience. And so... It's not because of God that we're not experiencing the abundant life. It's because we have a belief within us that's taking us off target. Right this instant, this feels impossible, but just wait. Ready, go. (laughs) It really works well. So, Satan wants to plant a seed of thought until it grows into a destiny, but God also has strategies and tactics um, to fight Satan's attempts. So strategies are kind of long-term goals and or long-term plans and tactics are kind of in the heat of the moment uh, things to use. And so one of God's strategies to help us win the daily battle is to completely understand the state we enter into when we're saved, to completely, at a heart level, you know, understand that. Um, so Colossians 2, 13-15, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Reading that over and over again, I need to do that. Letting that sink in. That's my state. That's, that's what I am now with God. I'm not the sin that I think I am. This isn't the way God made me. That's what I am. And rereading Romans 6, 7, and 8 over and over again until I get it at a heart level. Um, we've been liberated from the power of sin and darkness. So those are strategies of God. If I can let that sink into my, my spirit, I've come a long way in the daily battle. So it's going to have a hard time poking holes in that. If I know in my spirit that's who I am. Knowing, understanding, and grabbing hold of the fact that the victory at the cross was total once and forever um, is one of God's strategies. And then also making a covenant with the area you're struggling with. Lust, fear, discouragement, anxiety before you get ambushed. 
So in Job's example, he made a covenant with his eyes. You know, I'm not going to look at anything vile. Um, making that covenant between you and God. And that covenant is just you submitting to God's power. God, I recognize you have the power for me not to do this, for me to stop this. I make a covenant with you that I don't want to do it. Will you please do in me what needs to be done to keep that covenant? So those are God's kind of strategies and tactics, or strategies. And then tactics, kind of in the moment when, when Satan brings the thought. And, uh, as, as I was thinking about this today, thinking about kind of another, another area of freedom prayer teaching is, is drive-by demons, thoughts that kind of just go through your head. You think, what in the world? Why did I think that? Or, you know, I think as young children, I think some of those drive-by thoughts, they think, oh, I, I thought that. That's, man, I'm gross. Why did I think that? Or that's... Is that why, the way I am? Why did I have that thought or that urge or that feeling? Um, so I think, I think those work on, on young kids especially well. That those thoughts come in, they think it's them, and Satan uses that and runs with it. So our, our tactics, James 4, 7, and 8, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So Andy has this war example uh, from his time in the military, and it wasn't as some of us thought during World War II. Uh, a little closer to, to current day, but he mentions the, the Civil War. <laughs> Just go on. Um, but the, the, the you probably heard him say this: the, the fact that you they were taught in an ambush when you're ambush to turn, run, and take your gun and spray bullets at the enemy as you run. Um, so that idea of these three kind of key things. When you, when you have that thought, or you feel that attack from Satan, that, that lustful or angry or anxious thought comes in, submitting to God, turning to Him, God, I can't do this on my own. Will you please help me in this situation? Resisting the devil, and not the temptation is an important distinction, but being forceful, violent, and in, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me alone. And I've got a list of scriptures I have to write down here, but, um, you know, spraying Satan with with scripture. Jesus said, do not look at a woman lustfully. Greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. When you are, not, when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. Just like Job, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to listen. And you can do that in two seconds as you walk to the airport or as you walk, as you're on a business trip or that kind of thing. And then drawing back near to God, praising him. God, thank you for giving me the strength to do that. Thank you for your power in me to resist that temptation. So the submitting, the resisting, having that, having that scripture that you, you can just run through and attack, attack comes through what's true, and then praising God for that. And if you stumble, you confess, and you go on your way. What did you, what did you have to though? Did you want to say something more about resisting the devil and not temptation? I, don't want to I wasn't going to get into it more, but go ahead. Okay, I, I just, you know, I think that when we were talking last <clears throat> week about the distinction between the flesh and the spirit, um, and the more we put our focus on the flesh, the more we, we experience death. The outcome of that is, is going to be death and defeat um, because we're focusing on, oh, this is my, this is my problem and this is who I am. It, the same tapes keep running in your head or whatever. But once you realize, like you've mentioned, and it's a, it's a little hard in a setting like this to say, every single type of sin and, and, and how that scheme of Satan is designed to take you from who God has made you to be, but there's a correlation. Um, if you're struggling in one area, it's probably an area that you're really gifted in, and Satan really doesn't want God to be able to use that 
um, in you to, to his glory. And so that was a, a tactic that was Satan is using to try to, to make you powerless and to undo what God wants for you and your future and your destiny. Um, and once you have recognized, okay, I'm, I'm not going to fall prey to that. It's not just that I have to overcome this temptation for lust or to gossip or whatever, but I see that Satan is trying to, to make me not as potent for God. Um, and it's not about, you know, I, I'm kind of being a pawn in their game. It's easier to turn to God and to say, I'm on your side. Uh, and together, what can we do to defeat this? Uh, and it's a different approach. And we're used to beating ourselves up, right? And, and experiencing defeats. And so it's, it's nice to get into the winning side and let God do the work. Now, um, neuroscience backs us up. So I'm a neuroscience geek. Neuroscience totally backs us up. It says, okay, there, there's an area in your life that is a weakness. You set up scripture that you know is true, think about it, you've got it memorized, and Satan is stuck in God's system. Satan will come at you in a weak spot, and his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. God's goal is to use that temptation to strengthen you. So what happens is, so mine was anger for a lot of years, so I, I memorized the anger of of man does not accomplish the purposes of God. Anger is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, but, but be angry, but don't sin. Don't. And so, so I got all those. So immediately this thing comes, but I've, I've set up myself to counter an ambush, right? So in the military, they, they tell you, scream ambush, shoot and run. Get out of the kill zone. And those are the three things right there. Submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God. So you go, okay, that thing for anger comes. I go, God, I can't do it, but you can. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Anger is not sin. Sin is sin, and I will not sin. I'm a forceful man of God, and Jesus was angry, but didn't sin, and I'm his brother. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. See, and all of a sudden, Satan's like, damn it. <laughs> He's just, because... Strike, strike, strike. No sin. Satan swears. Um, and, 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 so, and, so, and, and so all of a sudden, Satan's like, I am losing this battle, and the end result in him is this place is one of the strengths of their life. And this, you can do this in about a month. If you will do this for a month, that place in you that's been nothing but sin will be nothing but strength. It's crazy how it works. Can I just say, for those of us maybe not quite as smart as you, you can write index cards. Like, find the, ask God to show you the verses, find them, whatever targets you, and put them on index cards and paste that's them good. in your car, in your bathroom mirror, wherever you're going to yeah, be. When we were newlyweds, I'd keep them in my kitchen sink just to remember what I was struggling with and the truth about it and then to replace that lie with the truth every time and, and in the name of Jesus yeah. and, uh, and speaking it boldly and out loud it has a lot of power yeah. it, it's, it's a, it works 100% of the time I learned this from a guy in 1129.77 I wrote it on my Bible in huge black letters and I've been doing it since then and it's crazy how powerful it is mm -hmm. I was just going to say you know, even reading through these scriptures, like how many times you've seen them, but this is tactical, mm -hmm. right? And and even I was I was thinking, you know, of some things that have come along in my life to help me in the, in these ways, but they didn't come through me alone. And and I was glad to hear you share that you learned this from someone. You learned it from someone. Like I'm just so grateful that we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
and that we're sharing ideas and you know don't do it alone get with someone else talk to them about what what it is you're struggling with and here's what i'm here's what i'm finding here's what i want on my card what do you think get feedback we can't do this alone mm -hmm. um and you know one that's helped me um that it's just fascinating because it, it encompasses i think a lot of those points but um is lord whatever i'm looking for in this thing in this lust thought in this whatever it is you know whether it's Want to distract myself with, you know, binge on TV, whether whatever it is, whatever or whatever I'm looking for in this man, finding or whatever I'm looking for in this man, it's so powerful because it's a recognition that I, there's something I'm needing right now, and I don't want to fill it with things that are not needed. So you know, that's been super powerful. That's very helpful. Um, I'm just we're just visitors, but um, one of the things that I've noticed is that. Um, there are a lot of words used, and sometimes I'm afraid we don't really understand what those words mean. Like the word justify. I've heard all my life that I've been justified. You know, that through Christ I'm justified. But when it came right down to it, I don't think I understood really what is justification. And Justification is, in a simple definition, just like it didn't happen. And when, when you use the word justification and you can think, that is just like it didn't happen. It gives you power to fight. And it gives you that, wait a minute, that's gone. You have no hold here. It's just that, you know, sometimes I think we need to talk about the words themselves so that we gain power in what exactly those words mean. Yeah, I think he did last week. Uh, those three. This is our first week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I was saying, he did do that. That is really good because those words can take on a stained glass feeling not a real feeling. Right. Yeah. And so, as Annie mentioned, the results you get from doing this over and over again, from building up those defenses, is you learn how to do it efficiently and effectively. You begin to see a change of heart in that area. It becomes a strength. God you know, turns that into a strength. You may begin to expose areas where you need freedom, that this thing just keeps coming and it's getting harder and harder, and, and, and why can't, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not resisting this the right way. And so if that's the case, I think I'll, I'll just encourage you to have a freedom prayer session. To have, have two or three others come beside you with God, with that framework to help you walk, walk into that freedom that God wants you to have, that you know you're supposed to have. But, but me alone, it's not, I'm not getting this. It's not working. There, Satan's got, got big plans and big schemes, and he's tricky and, and gets around things. So I just want to encourage you in that. And then you begin to increase your forward momentum in the kingdom of God. Just that thing's gone, I'm moving forward, I'm going on to the next thing, and God's using me in new and awesome ways. So that's, the whole message is linked there. I encourage you again to, to listen to that. Franklin, yeah. share one thing? Um, if you're on the Freedom Prayer Team, raise your hand in the room. Okay, you'll see that most of this class is not the Freedom Prayer Team. Sometimes it feels like it since we all talk about it so much. But here's what I... Here's what I want y'all to see. I know you may find it hard to believe 
but I don't care what you've done. I don't care to what degree you did it. I promise you that if you come and pray with us, we will not judge you. We will love you. We will walk with you. We will do everything to encourage you and help you connect to God in such a way that you can find the freedom that He wants you to have. But we cannot do that unless you act. You know, Jeannie and I have a saying that we used in ministry for many years. There's one person you can't save someone from, and that's themselves. And so, but you've got to trust us. And if you'll trust us, we promise to honor your trust. And, um, and we just see too many people hurting and living in this hurt every day. And we're sitting here with an opportunity to help people find freedom, but we can't do it unless people respond. So if you know of someone, if you yourself are that person, uh, just know, I don't care what it is, we've all done it. We've all done it. We've just done a good job of masking it over the years. Okay? And uh, just know that you, we will not think and look down on you no matter what it is. And so just just keep that in mind. Can I, can I add just one thing to that? I think that all of us have read like one of those words, reconciliation. We are ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? And the idea that Mike just expressed there was that... Um, not only, not only will we love you, we will see in, in you who God has intended you to be and welcome you into a new, uh, a, a new trajectory in your life. And I think that one of the lies that is the hardest for us to break from is that our sin has made us unworthy and that if they, people know the worst about me, that I'll be rejected. Um, and one of the reasons why I think God wants us to do that in community is that we can experience the love. And, and then we're able to say, hey, I shared that. And then my brother and my sister, they didn't just, like, they weren't repulsed by me, but they embraced me and they loved me. And then you can start to say, God, who's greater than them, he really can forgive me. Like, he really is welcoming me. And then you're open to, to receive that. But as long as whatever the stuff is, that you're wrestling with is under the bed, in the dark, hidden, um, it retains some kind of power, but when the light gets shined into it, that is when you do, you feel the freedom. You experience it, and, and it is like new vitality and life that can flow through you in a new and great way. And you just feel, connected. the Freedom Prayer team feels very connected to each other. People that we do prayer sessions with, and that two hours you leave, Feel like that's that's a brother, that's a sister. I know that person now, and um, I I shared yesterday in the training in Kentucky, um, just and then Scott. I've heard Scott say several times how humbling it is to be a part of this ministry. And again, knowing my stuff, and God still wants to use me, wants to use you, knowing your stuff, in in any ministry. And I shared that um, just kind of thinking about how exciting it is when I first first kissed my wife and we were dating on our, our parents' back steps. I got in the car and I went, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what do you think about kissing during Daddy Go Week? Okay. So, um, and several times after Freedom Project sessions, I get in the car and I bang the steering wheel like, yes, that was awesome! 
And it's not anything that I did. It's just God showed up and did something amazing. Um, and just being a part of that, like, I know God was there. And that person knows God was there. We had yesterday in the training also, we're, we're training new people to do this. And so I'm sitting beside someone as they're fumbling and, and trying to learn as someone else shares their story. And I'm, I'm feeding them questions and asking them questions, and they're going right to the person. The person is very awkward, you know, that, that kind of setting, training them. But God used even that. They, these two ladies were in tears at the end of it, hugging each other, hugging me. Because even with that feeble attempt of, God, I'm, I want to try this, God comes in and says, I got you, let's do it. And we're going to do it. Um, so it's just, it's just been an amazing thing. Uh, we're not going to get into entanglement this week. It's kind of the next Wisu part that we're going to get to. Um, but possibly might share, start with that next week. So I just want to say a prayer over all of you, and thank you for being here. <laughs> Almighty Father God, thank you, uh, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, for being here today with us. God, we, we want all this to be to your glory, God. Not our own personal ambitions or our own selfish desires. We want all this to be done to your glory, Father. And so whatever was said here today or shared here today that's from you, may it just sink down inside of us, God. May you give us and remind us of the strategies and tactics that you give us to win the daily battle, Father. You have the power over Satan. Satan's been defeated, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus on the cross, and we don't have to give in to his plans and schemes. We just thank you and praise you for that. Help all of us to have times with you of refreshing, of restoring, of of planning with you, God, of how we're going to be more like you through your Holy Spirit. God, we have to have your Holy Spirit to do that. I ask your blessing on everyone this week that you would just um, continue to tap on all of our hearts to draw us in closer to you, uh, to make us, to help us to see the times that we have that we can spend with you, God. Just, just work in us this week, Father. We ask in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Hey, Chad. I'm going to shut the schedules.